to pray for a moment. Then I have something to share with you that I I think is very important at this time of year for you. So, let's pray. God, you compare your people to a, to a flock of sheep. And that's what it feels like in the room today. Uh, all the sheep congregating. But for us, the most important thing is that we would hear the, and follow the voice of the shepherd. It's not enough to be your sheep. We must be the sheep that follow you. Yeshua said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me for they know my voice. I pray that we would hear your voice today. Uh, we're very distractible sheep. We go wandering out into the world and everything catches our attention. Um, and we're just kind of fascinated by all kinds of trinkets and baubles and, and shiny things. I pray that today, uh, during this brief time together, through this word that is preached, you would cause us to be fascinated with you and with the kind of life you call us to experience and to share with others. May your sheep hear your voice and may we see the good shepherd in what is said. Amen. The High Holy Days should be a time of ecstatic renewal. We're told in the Talmud that when the uh, high priest offered the sacrifice within the Holy of Holies, there was a cord, a red cord, outside the Holy of Holies, and somehow, miraculously, that cord would turn white when the sacrifice was accepted. And then the people would celebrate. Uh, it was a great day. The High Holy Days should be a time of ecstatic renewal. Instead, let's face it, most of us dread them. It's not only because they're long, which they are, but because for the most part, most of us don't really know what's going on. They're long and essentially meaningless, trivial, or redundant for us. We know all about atonement and forgiveness, been there, done that. Let me go home and eat. Today I want to change all of that for us, for you. I want us to anticipate the High Holy Days as a time of renewal of two wellsprings of a rich, vital, and meaningful life. The lessons to be learned today are like a fantastic workout that you learn from the best of trainers. I'm going to share with you certain things that are like a workout you learn from a trainer that you go on in your life and wherever you are, you can do that workout and it really gets you buff. I want to get you spiritually buff today. So we're going to be looking at three points. Please, uh, Sean. Uh, these three. Where are we going today? Number one, Jewish life and the scripture amplifies the biblical centrality of gratitude as the foundation of happiness. I could spend an hour on this, but I want you to let it sink in. If you know anybody who's not grateful, I, I'm, 
I'll bet you they're not happy people. And, you know, I had an aunt. I talk about her once in a while here. My Aunt Angela, my father's, my mother's oldest sister. She was a woman who never married. She lived to be 88 years old. She worked at a dressmaker shop all of her life. From the time she was 15 to the time she was 80, and then she moved to the Catskills to take care of my mother who had Alzheimer's disease. And my Aunt Angela was a very uncomplicated person. But when I was a little boy, she would take me to the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens in a cab. And then she'd look at a plant and she'd say, Stuart, isn't that amazing? She had the capacity to be amazed for things like this and grateful for everything. She was the, the most well-adjusted person I ever knew. She was the rock of the family. Gratitude is the foundation for happiness. Number two, gratitude is the foundation for repentance. Ungrateful people do not repent. They don't feel like they owe anybody anything. They're so wrapped up in their own uh, sense of entitlement that what are they going to repent? You repent. I got a lot of things to bitch about, and if God were here, I would tell him to his face. That's the way they are. You ever met anybody like that? Plenty of them. Thirdly, not only does Jewish life feel that gratitude is the foundation of happiness, not only is gratitude the foundation of repentance, but thirdly, in our text, God has given us four ways to guard and to deepen gratitude and repentance. And I want you to know these are wellsprings of a vital spiritual life, not just for the high holy days, but for every day of your life. So let's go on. First of all, Jewish life amplifies the centrality of gratitude as the foundation of happiness. It's called Hakarat Hatov. Would you say that? Hakarat Hatov. This is looked upon as being a crucial, pivotal spiritual discipline. Hakarat Hatov is the duty to acknowledge kindness from another. It, it, the, it means to recognize or familiarize, your something, familiarize yourself with something good. In other words, don't take the goodness that surrounds you, that has come to your life by whatever means, don't take it for granted. Notice it. Acknowledge it. That's what Hakarat Hatov is. The obligation to be a makir tov, a person who recognizes the goodness received, is not merely to remember to say thank you, but to take time to recognize the benefit you've received from another. For instance, in the Torah, we're commanded, this is interesting, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, last week, we're commanded not to despise the Egyptian, for we were strangers in his land. This is extraordinary. We were slaves there for 400 years. But the Torah says, you owe them something. They took care of you. You lived there. Don't despise them. Let that sink in for a minute. The Midrash, the, the, the Jewish uh, imaginative, imaginative speculations about uh, about this are fascinating, and I'm not going to give you all of them. One of them is that uh, Moses, uh, when it comes time to strike the Nile River and turn it to blood, 
Aaron does it and not Moses. Why does Aaron strike the river and not Moses? Because the river protected Moses when he was a baby. He owed the river something. He was in that river when he was a baby in the basket. The Midrash, now, you may think, that's not true. That's not the point. The point is, this is showing you how much the Jewish tradition is fascinated by this obligation to show gratitude for the benefits received. And I just showed you in the Torah that even the people who enslaved us, we owe them something. Another one is uh, um, when, uh, they, when Moses and Aaron turned the sand of Egypt into lice, again, it is Aaron who strikes the, the sand, not Moses. Why? Because the, the sand hid the Egyptian who Moses killed way, way back, and the sand kind of helped him out. And so Moses owes this. I read a story about a, a very great Godol Hador, a great uh, notable rabbi. And at his, uh, his Passover table was a very serious place. He treated it like Yom Kippur, not that they didn't eat, but that it was a time for giving sober thanks for what God had done. And that was his tradition. Well, one time he invited a young man, and the young man was a joker. He was a comedian, you know? And he was, he was joking and joking and joking all during the Seder. He didn't, he didn't read the atmosphere in the room. And one of the rabbi's students says, Rabbi, you want me to throw this guy out? He says, no. He said, his grandfather taught me in Slobodka Yeshiva. His grandfather taught me, and I want to return the favor. So this is the foundation of happiness is an attitude of gratitude. Uh, look at what Dennis Prager says. Yes, there it is. The ungrateful person cannot be happy. This is what Prager says. Prager wrote an excellent book called Happiness is a Serious Problem. He wrote it. It's a good book. And here's what he says. He says, there is a secret to happiness, and it is gratitude. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy. Now, this is brilliant. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain. But it is truer to say that it's complaining that leads to people becoming unhappy. Become grateful and you will be a much happier person. There's another fellow, an Israeli scholar who taught at Harvard. I don't, I don't know if he's still there, but he taught a course there that was the most popular course ever at Harvard University. His name was Tal Ben Shachar. Got a couple of books by him on Amazon that are worth getting. And he taught a book on happiness. I taught a course at, at uh, Harvard on happiness, and it was uh, just sold out. He says that there is no happiness where there is no gratitude. For this reason, he recommends that people keep a gratitude journal. And every day, at the end of the day, write down five things you're grateful for. Even if you have to repeat day after day, you can't think of anything new. He says, uh, pursue the discipline 
of, of writing down five things you're grateful for at the end of the day. He says it's very psychologically important. Gratitude is the foundation of repentance. Thank you, you're with me. Gratitude is the foundation of repentance. The ungrateful person cannot be happy, neither can the ungrateful person really repent. Let's, Paul draws the connection for us. He says this, Perhaps you despise the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, because you don't realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to turn from your sins. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance, the kindness that he has shown us in our lives is meant to cause us to be repentant people. But by your stubbornness, by your unrepentant heart, by your ungrateful heart, you are storing up anger for yourself in the day of anger when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will pay back each one according to his deeds. That's heavy stuff. And that's... I just... I feel touched by God talking about this. That's the core of what we're looking at right now. God's kindness to us is meant to move us, not move us to gratitude, yes. Paul talked about that in Romans 1 and 2, that people were ungrateful to God. But not only to not only is it meant to move us to gratitude, but it's also meant to move us to repentance. And gratitude and repentance are two sides of the same coin. Okay, let's move on. Our lesson summarized. Here it is. Gratitude is delighted celebration of perceived benefit and blessing directed toward the one viewed to be the source of that benefit and blessing. Only the grateful can be happy and only the grateful can repent. So we're going to read that together. You ready? One, two, Three, gratitude is delighted celebration of perceived benefit and blessing directed toward the one viewed to be the source of that benefit and blessing. Only the grateful can be happy and only the grateful can repent. Delighted celebration. When, when, we should be delighted with God because of, of, of his goodness to us. When we say thank you to him, it should be full of love. When, you, when you, you think about it, when you've given a gift to somebody that they really appreciate, it's more than just that they're grateful for the gift. They're grateful that you cared. They're grateful about you. They're delighted not just in the watch, not just in the iPad, not just in whatever it is, they're not only grateful for the thing, they, they are delighted with you. They're grateful to you. And we ought to be the same way. That's what gratitude is. We cultivate the wellsprings of gratitude. Next one, please. We cultivate the wellsprings of gratitude and repentance in our lives by how we use our bodies. Now we're getting back to the, uh, 
the, the Torah passage of today, and I'll take you to it in a moment. Le, Le, Leviticus 19 says that we should stand up before the aged. We show our respect for the aged by stand up before the white-haired person. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 9, we're told to stand up to, to confess our sins. The community stands up to confess their sins in Nehemiah chapter 9. The whole community, and it's raining. And they're standing up, and they stand up to hear the word, and they stand up to offer praise. The body is involved in worship. You notice in our service here, there are times that you stood up. You stood up out of respect. But you stand up also to wake yourself up. If you sit in a service like this, and whether it's the preaching or the sermon or anything, if you're sitting in the back with your arms folded, kind of slouching, you're not going to get the same out of it as a person who's sitting alert. Your body speaks to your spirit, and your spirit speaks to your body. And this is what the Torah is teaching us. I told you I'm going to give you four things. This is one of them, that we cultivate the wellsprings of gratitude and repentance in our lives by how we use our bodies. Next slide. Here, here's, here it is from, uh, from the Torah reading today. To say to the person who's come and brought up their first fruits, uh, uh, to, uh, 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 he comes up and he says, Today I declare to Adonai your God that I have come to the land that Adonai swore to our ancestors he would give us. The coin will take the basket from your hand and put it down in front of the altar. Then in the presence of your God, you would have said, etc., etc., etc. You bring the basket up. Later on, he prostrates himself in the presence of God. There are physical things which give expression to gratitude. Next. Secondly, we cultivate the wellsprings of gratitude and repentance in our lives. Oh. This is still this is still the same. The, the, go ahead, go to, go to the next one. We cultivate the wellsprings of uh, oh, well, this is the end of the quote. Let's read this one. Therefore, as you see, I have now brought the first fruits of the land which you, Adonai, have given me. You are then to put the basket down before Adonai, your God, prostrate yourself before. It's a script, and it tells you it tells you it's, it's stage directions for what you're supposed to do. Your body is supposed to be involved. Thank you. Okay, let's go to the next one. We cultivate the wellsprings of gratitude and repentance in our lives through our mood and take joy in all the good that Adonai, your God, has given you, your household, the Levite, the foreigner living with you. That is the mood. You're to, you're to take joy. Uh, 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 it says in Psalm, Psalm 42, the psalmist says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The psalmist takes responsibility for his mood. So we talked about body. We also talk about the words. I, I, I didn't make that clear. Also, the words that you say uh, um, establish gratitude. This is like cognitive behavior therapy. Some of you have heard of it. Some of you have had it. In cognitive behavior therapy, you deal with disorders of mood by learning how to speak to yourself about your life. 
If we're going to be people who are grateful, I'm going to give you these four points easily. Number one, by what you say. In this script that we had in our Torah reading today, the Israelites are told to come up, not only to offer this, but say this. They're told exactly what to say. A wandering Aramean was my father. We went down to Egypt. We were slaves there, and God brought us up. They're told exactly what to say. The words that you speak either nurture gratitude in your heart or they gratitude or they nurture ingratitude. They either nurture repentance or they don't. So watch the words you speak, number one. Number two, watch your body language. Your body language either enhances or it inhibits. Thirdly, watch your mood. You're responsible for your mood. I'm a melancholic individual. Uh, I have been all of my life, but I've learned the hard way that I need to take responsibility for my mood. I was feeling really bummed out last night, and, and I was feeling troubled by certain things this morning before I even got here, but I can't let that determine my mood in your presence. I need to take responsibility. So the words that you speak, the text said they told them what to say, the things that you do, the actions, bring the basket, put the basket down, prostrate yourself afterwards. The mood, rejoice. That's, a, that's a, 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 not simply a result, it's a commandment. And number four, go, please go on. Number four, we cultivate the wellsprings of gratitude and repentance in our lives through remembering where we came from. Then in the presence of Adonai, you're to say, my ancestors, the nomad from Aram, we went down to Egypt, few in number, and stayed. Next slide. Okay. Why is it important to remember where you came from? Because let's say you came from a very difficult background, and yet you've survived. You've, you've managed Let's say you came from a very good background and you totally pished it away. I don't know what your background is, but part of this maturing and gratitude and repentance is remember where you came from. So let's review the four points. The words that you say, what you do with your body, your responsibility to choose your mood and Remember where you came from. Now let's look at this. Learn to pay attention to the words you speak, even in your mind about yourself, about your life, about your God. If you're always fetching in your mind, and some of us are like that. I remember when I was a believer, five weeks, I went to a meeting in Brooklyn, somebody invited me to, at a, at a very funky place called the Bible Christian Union. Uh, fundamentalists, very, very hardcore fundamentalists. And I was sitting next to Mrs. Shapiro. I knew Mrs. Shapiro's daughter. I'd been a Yeshua believer five weeks or so. I knew Mrs. Shapiro's daughter. Mrs. Shapiro doesn't know me from a hole in the ground. She's sitting next to me. She's married to a uh, uh, taxi driver. And I'm 19 years old. She's probably 49 years old. She said, turns to me and says, I wish I was rich. 
You know, my husband, he spends all the money. I wish I was a millionaire. This, that's what's on her mind. Let me ask you a question. Suppose she had a million dollars. What would she have said to me? Complained about the taxes. Huh? She complained about, about the taxes. Or she'd say, I wish I had two million dollars. A million isn't much anymore. This is the person who is miserable because of what they say to themselves. Watch yourself talk. Number one, pay attention to the words you speak, even in your mind, about yourself, your life, your God. Number two, learn to pay attention to how you use your body, matters of posture, affect, etc., etc. Third, learn to cultivate the moods wherein you will best worship, know, and serve God. Take responsibility for your mood. Fourthly, remember where you came from. Those are, that's the workout that we've got from our physical trainer. Let's see, we have another one? Here's a Gentile. A Gentile who got Hakarat Hatov. This was Dag Hammarskjöld, who was the uh, General Secretary of the United Nations when I was a kid. And he had a book called Markings, which was kind of a diary of, of random thoughts. He was a Christian man, and he said this, For all that has been, thanks. To all that shall be, yes. That's amazing. Do you think a man like that is content and happy? Yes. Let's pray. God, you make a big deal in your word about gratitude. You talk about how ingratitude is the slope upon which our spiritual lives go down the drain. We dare to believe also that gratitude is the slope by which we climb to a higher enjoyment of life as it should be. So, as we come to the High Holy Days, may the service, may the liturgy, may the experience that we have deepen our gratitude. May we watch what we say with our mouths. The liturgy is glorious. You've given us what to say. May we pay attention to what we're doing with our bodies. May we take responsibility for our mood. And may we remember where we come from and what you've done in our lives for which we should be grateful. And then, as we have our gratitude rekindled, help us to repent for how we have misused our advantages. We ask. In Yeshua's name. Shabbat Shalom.